the big danger we see is that we, we reach the, mo the moment already that it's difficult to differentiate from what is a content created by us humans and what content is created uh, by machine. You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. Welcome to this episode of CEO Perspectives, a signature series by the Conference Board. CEO Perspectives are conversations that take an objective, nonpartisan look at a range of subjects that matter most to business leaders. To help make sense of these topics, we sit down with thought leaders and do what we do best at the Conference Board, provide trusted insights for what's ahead. I'm Steve Odlin, the CEO of the Conference Board and the host of this podcast series. And in today's conversation, we're going to discuss so-called killer AI. What is it? What it means? And where is that going? Joining me today are Nathan Summers and Dr. Sergio Coronado. They're the authors of a recent report entitled On Defining Killer AI that introduces a framework that can help assess the potential for harm from AI. Nathan Summers is currently an AI research analyst with the Luxembourg Tech School, and Dr. Coronado is a founder of the Luxembourg Tech School and a assistant professor at the University of Luxembourg. Welcome, Nathan and Sergio. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so uh, if I could just ask both of you briefly to tell us a little bit about your your experience, uh, backgrounds, and how did you get into AI? Yeah, so I've always been, for as long as I can remember, really interested in computers, like science fiction growing up. So when I went to do university and then pursue my master's, I knew I wanted it to be with something with computers. So uh, my undergraduate bachelor's degree was in cognitive science, which sort of introduced me to this to the world of, of artificial intelligence and uh, machine learning in particular. And then in my master's, I was able to build on that with more practical sort of business focused solutions. Uh, and then now I'm able to, to learn about ways that we can use this technology effectively and keep it safe. And that was Nathan Summers. And so Dr. Coronado, your, your background and how did you get into AI? So first, thank you, Steve, for inviting us to share our work. Myself, a little bit older than Nathan, he didn't say that, but uh, <laughs> I have 35 years experience because I stopped counting at the 35, so it makes it easy to say 35. <laughs> I have the opportunity to work in many sectors, banking, sport, uh, retail, education, defense, and of course, research uh, become a kind of, kind of always parallel passion of, of my life. And has also this this need of learning. Uh, I study software engineering, electrical engineering, industrial engineering, psychology, education, and and many other things. Not to tell people I have all these degrees, but be, because I want to understand things. And now leading to why AI, it happened actually in 2015. Uh, I saw a fundamental change when DeepMind uh, showed this this algorithm they created that was able to learn to play the Atari games by itself. You know. And then I say, wow, this is really now starting to happen. It was the beginning of machine learning as, as we know it today. And uh, and then I immediately signed up for a Coursera course on machine learning and and, and deep dive myself in, in, into, into the tech, really, really deep into the coding and so on. And then I thought, oh, I have no time to do all this. <laughs> the, the, the new generation will take over. And then I created the Luxembourg Tech School the year after, uh, where we work with young, young people, teenagers, and a little bit older like Nathan, uh, to understand uh, the digital technology evolution, to, to help them to learn by us learning uh, this technology. So it's not only AI, we also do quantum robotics, uh, financial technology, and many other things to trigger our brain. 
And and lately we started to do actually two three years we started to do research and, and this is actually our first paper uh, when we took the decision to to highlight a very important issue uh, that we think that is in front of us and with killer AI. Okay, so it, it, before we get into the specifics of uh, you, you know the dangers, just help our audience understand your definition of AI. Nathan, you want to go first? So AI is a really broad term. Uh, obviously, right now, a lot of what's referred to as AI is like machine learning, where algorithms can basically fine tune their parameters, their algorithms to some extent based on training data. Uh, it sort of flips the paradigm of traditional programming on its head. Um, and it's it's shown that it is capable of some pretty incredible things. For our purposes, we're looking more so at, at AI systems that can that can lead to harm. So in our paper, we seek out to define killer AI. Because you know we need a definition before we can start talking about about how to how to prevent it and mitigate its its dangers. Uh, so so we define that by any sort of system that employs artificial intelligence uh, that can directly lead to uh, physical harm or death. Now there's two important things that that definition hinges on is that we don't really distinguish between whether the system was designed to cause that harm. So like in an on a, in an autonomous weapon system, which was explicitly designed to to cause harm or whether that's a virtual system like some sort of uh, social media algorithm or something that doesn't have direct physical interaction with, with the world. And then the other issue therein is how it directly can lead to physical harm or death. And that's a little bit more complicated, but we can get into that a little bit later. Okay, Dr. Coronado, do you want to add to the definition of AI? Yes, sure. Uh, I think, um, I mean, to, to very simplistic explaining, uh, AI is when we try to use computers to to replicate human capabilities or skills, you know. Uh, self-driving a car is an example when we try to create an AI um, replicating how we are able to drive a car to follow certain rules that, that we set up plus the power of, of the machine. Uh, so we say that an AI, we are able to do that because we replicate these human capabilities. And of course, we can see that today in a, in a more advanced systems when they are able to basically chat or write or, or generate content as humans um, uh, do. So the basic concept, uh, I would say, is the ability for a computer to basically replicate uh, human skills. Okay, so now you've written this paper, Nathan, on on killer AI, and uh, you know certainly it's provocative when you start thinking about it. Because I don't, I don't think anyone's talked about uh, you know about AI killing uh, people. Um, it certainly happens in uh, science fiction films, and you know, in the context of you know thinking about sentience with AI, which is a long way off. But but I think your you know, your paper talks about things that are much closer to home. Talk a little bit about about what aspects of AI can cause harm. Well, it's hard to know exactly what because there is a lot more research that we that we need. Currently, we know some of the aspects that can cause harm. So, so AI, as I mentioned earlier, is it's trained on a lot of data. So, if there's like biases in that data, those biases are going to be they're going to be reinforced in the behavior of the AI system. So that's one of the one of the big dangers that I'm personally quite interested in, um, and one that we touch on a little bit in the in the paper as well. There's also a more sort of nefarious danger where you have people with bad intentions that can can make use of this efficiency that that AI gives us to sort of do work that would have taken them a lot longer, or with a much larger team in a fraction of the time with a fraction of the of the manpower. 
you described it just a moment ago as physical systems and virtual systems. Physical systems is where, you know, there are actual weapons that are, you know, that are autonomous. Okay. And then, but the virtual systems, I think is, is what you were just referring to, which is where there are, there's harm done by either content or by, you know, things that have been engineered. So talk a little bit more about that. So with the virtual systems, which is really the what I find the more interesting side of this, because it's a little bit more complicated, it's quite trivial to see how physical systems can cause harm. But there, the case that we talk about is the case of this this young girl in uh, England who I, in 2014 took her own life because of harmful content that she was fed over social media. And nobody was intentionally feeding her this this content, but... Uh, the content that she was shown had such a negative impact on her on her mental state that she uh, eventually took her own life. And I think that this is a side of AI that we don't really talk about or think about too much, but it's something that's becoming much more prevalent. More recently, there was a similar case of a Belgian man, I believe. And there are all sorts of other cases of, of engineers, AI engineers talking to chatbots and being told to like leave their wife or other such, you know, sort of weird uh artifacts like that to come out yeah so these this is ai that is it that is either that is being used virtually as you said through primarily social media but also other you know in, in other electronic forms that is that is impacting the way people think about themselves or uh, about others and i i guess essentially causing them to act in a way that's a danger to themselves or others. Did I did I summarize that accurately? Yes, yes, correct. Is that we, we are starting to engage with these algorithms. Yeah? That's the way to describe. We're starting to engage cognitive with those algorithms. And and we don't know how that works. We we have this have not been really developed and, and, and thought about what are what are the risks and consequences to do that. The technology has been just thrown out of there. And and we see, of course, we we see the value. Huh? Let's not let's not forget that we see a lot of value on, on this technology and and this interaction uh, on this, for example, recommendation algorithms, which which try to you know accelerate your decision and and save you time. But at the same time, some of those recommendation algorithms might start throwing you content, which is not necessarily good for for you for your current, um, let's say, cognitive moment, and then you might take a, a more drastic decision. So that is what it, what we we see uh, signs that this is becoming uh, very, very important. And, and we came with this definition about the potential of, of, of an AI uh, creating harm or, or death, which is the killer AI. Yeah, and it, and, it, and it can happen directly or it can happen indirectly. I mean, we, you, you talked also about the impact of these virtual AI systems on political propaganda, for instance, and manipulation of opinion and putting, you know, electing people who are who are bad people, but are are, are being positioned through AI tools. So that I mean, that, that kind of comes around to, you know, this whole, you know, the, this whole um, political agenda manipulation that that happens by by certain state and non state actors towards others. Correct. Yes. I mean, one of the characteristics of this tool is is the power of the tool itself. You use our internet, basically, 
uh, when when billions of people is connected, and then use this as a huge fast channel to propagate, and then as as you rightfully say, can propagate uh, propaganda. I mean, run information or manipulate content, uh, and and a speed that, that the humans cannot you know discern or make the right choice about that content. And, and the other characteristic we see in the current development is is that the content is very realistic. I mean, it, it looks correct and convincing, you know, and sometimes you have to make your judgment, but, you know, th is the population ready to make judgment to every single content or just bombarding, uh, you know, rapidly with, with something that looks uh, correct and, and, and completely valid? Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, these deep fake videos, as you said, and... Uh... You know, a lot of this content is just just it's not discernible from, you know, the, the normal stuff that's out there. It's so good these days. So therefore, what is the truth? Right. Yeah, correct. I mean, the big danger we see is that we, we reach the, mo the moment already that it's difficult to differentiate from what is a content created by us humans and what content is created by machine, you know, the synthetic content. So now it, it, it becomes so difficult that, that we are trying to, you know, create algorithms to detect what is what is really, what is not real. Yeah, and this is before you even get to sentience, you know, where, where you know, you've you've got machines Correct. thinking like human, quote unquote, thinking like human beings. These, this is hu these are human beings using these tools in order to to manipulate and create these things. But ultimately, it gets back to the danger and, and hence your you know, your your title of this, which is killer AI. I mean, this, some of this stuff is actually killing people, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we talk about the specific incidents with the Molly Russell case in the paper where where it was the inquest in the UK was found, found that the social media algorithms were responsible. Uh, so you can make the argument that that and we do make the argument that it is already directly killing people now there are more hypothetical sort of ways that this could, could, could change. I think we talk, we talk about the chemical weapon example in the paper as well. So already killing people, I think we're just sort of seeing the beginning of, of, of maybe what could happen as far as the dangers of, of, of AI. Yeah. And you're seeing, you're seeing an increase in the suicide rate, particularly among people who are engaged in social media and you just don't know what is driving that. I mean, there's no way to directly track whether that is, you know, that is killer AI doing it or, you know, it's other things, but there is a, there's a correlation here. Yeah. So, and, and that is our point. Our point is that this has to be, look, we have to research this because uh, we see the signs that, that, you know, can happen or is already happening. And we don't know to what extent this is, and it continue to as the technology continue to evolve. So, so where are we going? So this is why we said, listen, there is this problem in front of us and we need to do something about it. We've discussed killer AI and how it can be dangerous to society. Next, we're going to talk about ways that we can mitigate the consequences of AI. We're going to take a short break and be right back. Are you ready to transform your business and stay ahead of the competition? Artificial intelligence is quietly reshaping the global economy, optimizing manufacturing processes, and transforming how users interact with popular platforms. Harnessing the power of AI can exponentially enhance your business's effectiveness and efficiency. However, navigating the risks associated with this transformative technology is critical. Privacy, integrity, the economy, and humanity are all at stake. 
That's why the Conference Board is your go-to resource for the expertise and foresight you need to leverage AI to its fullest potential and make strategic moves that propel your business forward. Unlock the possibilities AI offers your business. Visit tcb.org AI today to access trusted insights for what's ahead and guidance on navigating the AI transformation. Welcome back to CEO Perspectives. I'm your host, Steve Odlin from the Conference Board, and I'm joined today by Nathan Summers and Dr. Sergio Coronado, who have written a paper talking about killer AI. Okay, so let's uh, you know let's go back to this this notion of virtual versus physical AI systems. Is one is one more dangerous than the other in your point of view? Let me start myself. Um, it, it's not that one is more dangerous than the other one. When we talked about AI, we're talking about you know, a piece of software, an algorithm, uh, which can be virtual. I mean, it's always virtual, it's a piece of software, and then it can be embedded in a physical environment, okay? Like a robotics platform that can interact. So it's, it's not that there is one or the other, it's that we have an AI, and then we have the notion of how humans can interact with AI. So we can interact physically through a machine or we can interact virtually through our basically language, eyes and, <laughs> and listening. Okay. So, so, so that is, that is the notion of, uh, of course, there are differences when we talked about the danger or the harm, because it's not the same. I mean, it's very obvious when you are harmed physically. Okay, because you harm your physical body, that would you are hard from the virtual system, which is mental, which is harder to to analyze and define. Okay, and, and and so as part of the solution, you you certainly you know have done a good job of calling people's attention to this issue, and um, and hopefully people will will take heed and begin to think about the unintended consequences of AI. But you've also called for government involvement and regulation. What would you like to see happen? from the government? So I think that a good blueprint sort of is to look at the EU AI Act that is currently being uh, discussed and implemented. Uh, so they outline risk categories for AI based on their use case. So there's some that they find completely unacceptable, such as the use of AI for social credit scoring. Um, and then for like manipulation is what they call like, um, mental manipulation so like toys that say uh horrible things to children to sort of mess with their mentality i think that that could be broadened a little bit to include some of these social media algorithms as, as well personally but i think that that's a good starting point obviously it would look different uh in the us but i think that sort of establishing what aspects of our society we're okay with handing over to these machines and which ones we would prefer to sort of keep to uh, keep a more human touch in, I think is a really good starting point that we should look at in, in legislation. Dr. Coronado, any thoughts? Yes, I think we need to change the way legislation is uh, developed um, because of the speed as this technology is happening. So we, we see that, that products are brought, I would call it immature, very quickly to the market. And then we have millions adopting them in, in minutes. Uh, and this was not even thought about. I mean, the regulator and, and, and legislators have no clue about this tech, you know, so, and the tech is already out. So we have to find a way uh, to change that process because the technology is already in the hands of the end user by the time the regulator trying to figure out what is this. So we need to find 
you know, a, a way that the regulator is kind of sitting with the product development and researchers and vice versa, because it's two sides story. Huh? The same is the, the, the developers and researchers and the industry need to understand and, and take their own responsibility that, listen, you kind of just throw that out to, to the mass uh, if you have to understand what is there and share potential risk and, and uh, with regulators, you know. Yeah. Now, so uh, are you thinking about the requirements for regulation at a country level or, you know, it, does this rise to sort of a UN level where people, you know, try to adopt consistent rules around the globe? Well, I mean, I, I will not say that would be utopia if we if we manage to get the world together in one subject. Uh, but at least, at least we 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 try to motivate the, the individual governments need to take an action. Uh, of course, collective will be better, and, and we have other examples in other domains like like international and humanitarian law uh, that can also apply to the systems. Uh, we, we we should also implement the systems, and and researchers should should understand and read and and try to implement. The, the international humanitarian law when they are doing their research, you know, at the same time. Uh, so, so, so that is this change that I meant. So it's not only the government that need to take their own lead and try, of course, to team up with others. We should not reinvent the wheel. You know, if we have quite progress on the EU Act, uh, others should, should try to take it and build on top of that and then share, uh, given the complexity and the effort uh, that takes to to. To reach consensus, because you know, some of the big challenge on, on on regulation is that we reach consensus that this is good for all, not only the user but also the industry. Because at the same time, we don't want, we are not, we we love the technology. It's not that the, the reason we push this work is because we want the technology to be successful uh, by mitigating the risk or developing the safe, safeguards. So this is why we need every player to try to contribute, and and the governments, of course, is the prime responsibility is that. Yeah, and so what role does business play in that? Because you know the business community is is important, and you know they are a prime user of this new technology. Yeah, I mean the, the role is fundamental because they don't they don't have an interest for this to go wrong. You know they don't want to be in the news and say, "Oh, you are the first killer AI." <laughs> you know, so of course they have they have a, a clear financial incentive uh, for good. <laughs> it sounds stranger uh, that they, the technology is not creating harm because this is not the intention. You don't want to. I mean, Tesla doesn't want to have the the, the full autonomous self driving. You know, start killing people on on on, the, on crossing the street. You know, that's that's because then then the product will will you know you you have to close down. Uh, financially, so so this is a prime interest on the industry to invest in the research and also work with re regulators to make the technology safe, but safe on day one because at the moment it's not the case. At the moment, the technology is thrown out and, and nobody knows what what the behavior of the technology is. Okay, now on the flip side, uh, I think over time it's <laughs> we've seen over and over again that there are unintended consequences to government involvement and and uh and regulation and so forth what what are some potential unintended consequences here yeah i mean government is tricky because um especially in this domain because most of the government basically they don't know they don't understand this technology uh, i always call ai uh, rocket science and there are no many rocket scientists uh, so that so that's a big challenge that uh, how you regulate something you don't know so yes the, <laughs> there are clear unintended consequences that you 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 overregulate it and in one part of the world, while other part of the world is still developing. 
So, you know, so then the, the competitive, we, we, you will be trapped there because you overregulate it. So it's not developing anymore uh, because, you know, you just kind of like you banned uh, that what happened with ChatGPT at the beginning in the schools, you know, they just banned. No, you cannot use it. Well, so it's already there. It's too late. Uh, so you have to catch up. So governments have this this challenge that they they might tend to overregulate, and then you will lose competitive, and and you cannot even develop the safety safeguards because you cannot even develop the technology. Well, and, and, and you could drive it all underground, and you know you could by by overregulating, you could limit the productive and and uh, peaceful uses and drive it to more nefarious use. I mean there. Correct. I mean, this it could go anywhere, but but you know, this is like the wild wild west all over again. It's a brand new area. Everybody's it's captured everybody's imagination. But beyond that, there now are tools at hand. There are apps you can download on your phone and and begin to to use these tools. So they're more accessible than ever before. Yes, and 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 even beyond that, from from the development point of view, you have the many open source models by now. So it's not that you the user can use it, it's also the, the developers, they can create their own versions, which could also uh, and the examples are there for 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 content generation for child pornography. This is there, okay. Um, so so you start having this ecosystem, you know, going from the good and the bad at the same time, uh, with no regulation. Yeah. Wonderful points. Now, Ethan, Nathan, you've also talked in the paper about the cause for optimism around AI. You know, share with the audience, you know, wh what you meant by that, beyond the obvious. Absolutely, yeah. So, so we talk about a couple of things in the paper that that are really exciting about this technology. So, currently, already they're using it to to diagnose medical conditions faster, to to develop pharmaceutical drugs. Um, it's being used as sort of a co-pilot, so it's not replacing doctors in a way, but it. it it helps them sort of make their decisions faster, gives them maybe a second opinion in, in a lot of the thing uh, in their in their medical diagnoses. It, it's also been very effective in in the business world as well. Uh, tasks that used to take hours can now be done in in minutes. So in general, just this huge leap in efficiency is happening because and is being enabled because of AI. And through that, we're gonna have. It's extremely plausible that the, we as a society could have more time to focus on higher level tasks. So more creativity, more editorial, more sort of less grunt work, essentially, that can be offloaded onto onto machines. And similar to the way that sort of the Industrial Revolution offloaded a lot of physical manual labor onto machines, we can offload lower level cognitive tasks onto machines now, which is, I think, a really exciting direction that we're going in. And I think there's a lot of cause for optimism around what we can do with all of that extra time. Yeah. And if you think about this in the way, I mean, I, I don't mean to reduce it to, to a, a mere software program, but if you just think about the way that, that uh, Microsoft office and some of these basic tools took the PC from, you know, a basic, you know, a box a paperweight and, and made it, made it a productive tool this AI tools then you know creates that on steroids. I mean, it really advances invention, innovation, you know, productivity in not only the medical fields and health areas, but but virtually every area you can think of, doesn't it? Yes, definitely. I mean, one of the areas I see is the biggest impact is education. Yeah. Have so much content there that you cannot digest. That, that now you have, for example, 
uh, ChatGPT asking to summarize content, you know, that, that then you look the essence and then you dig down on the areas that you are interested in. So, so it creates a different, a different way of, of learning and, and processing content. It's not about trying to process more content that your brain can, but it's to be more efficient in the content that, that, or the knowledge that you want to develop, for example. So that's a, this is something we we see with our teenager students because we asked them uh, recently. I mean, do you use ChatGPT? You know, uh, do you cheat with it? And they say, no, no, no. We we have so much to learn that we throw there. We and they get we get summarized for the exam. That's what we need. You know, what is the essence of of this concept? So I, I was shocked when I asked the question. Uh, it was supposed to be fun about cheating or not, and then they were really telling me, no, no, no. This is you know something for us very useful. We summarize preparing the exams and okay, like a copilot basically to 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 study. Okay, so Nathan, is it true that you wrote this paper using ChatGPT? <laughs> no, I mean, there. I had some help on the outline. I will concede I that. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> but but the most of it is the the vast majority of it is is myself and Sergio. <laughs> Dr. Sergio Coronado, Nathan Summers, thanks so much for joining us today. Great. Uh, we we really appreciate the time and the interest to be in your your show. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. And thanks to all of you for listening into CEO Perspectives. Every week I'll be joined by prominent thought leaders to provide insights on the issues of our time. We'll cover leading topics in economics, geopolitics, AI, and more. Please share CEO Perspectives with your colleagues, with your friends, with every chatbot you know. I'm Steve Odlin, and this series has been brought to you by the Conference Board. You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board.